Hi everyone and welcome to today's podcast. In today's podcast, we'll speak about Dominic Cummins and his 260km journey outside London. We'll talk about the number of deaths reported in Ireland and in Northern Ireland over the last couple of days. And we'll talk about how we are doing during this pandemic. Damien, again, I, we could start with you being the UK resident, if you're happy enough to begin. We'll talk about Dominic Cummins and get your first opinion on all of this breaking news that's happening since, originally it happened in March, I believe, or in April, yeah, March, and now the news has just come out about Dominic Cummins left London to go up to Durham, which is around 260 kilometers from London, uh, nice. you know, in, in 260 miles uh, in breach of the guidelines, as some would say, of the UK restrictions. What are your what's your thoughts on this? Well, he he. Uh, so the story emerged on Friday that he had broken his own kind of rules in terms of lockdown. He huffed it off to Durham, stayed there with his wife and his child. Then further reports come out that he was having day trips at Barnard Castle was mentioned, it led to lots of calls for his resignation. The Prime Minister came out on Sunday and defended him. I think he made it wholly worse. Some of the things in which he was saying, he, he wasn't clear, he wasn't confident in his delivery to people. So the next day, he had more calls for his resignation. It had calls from bishops, it had calls from Tory MPs, it had from celebrities all saying that he needed to go. They then said that Dominic Cummings would be interviewed by the press and so yesterday at four o'clock or five o'clock he was interviewed in the Rose Garden in Downing Street by a um, select number of journalists. It was all live, it was all recorded and he read through his statement, the statement he supposedly had shared with the Prime Minister the day before um, and then journalists were asked, asked him questions. So obviously the, the viewers were listening to it and were coming up with their own questions, which also weren't asked as well. I seen his statement yesterday and I mean, it was the most unconvincing statement anybody could ever give to the press, especially on such a hot topic. He was not convinced and he was stammering throughout the statement. The one thing he did not do was apologize or show any regrets for his actions. He was steadfast in his idea, in the idea that what he done was the right decision. Even though I believe his London home isn't too far from a hospital, if he did require one, I think it's around three or four miles uh, based on what he spoke about. So it just seems odd that he would leave London to travel that far. One could think that he done it maybe because it's more pleasant for the 14 days while possibly being ill with coronavirus, you know, would be a better place to be than uh, London to relax, get better, recuperate over the coming days. But it does seem that he did break what they're all saying. He broke the British spirit of the restrictions of the pandemic where everybody is in this together. He constructed a load of stories around it. So he said like, you know, he didn't feel safe in his London home because you know, there was like a mob mentality outside of his house. 
at that time, it was in lockdown. There was nobody outside of his house. It was deep in the throes of lockdown. There was nobody there. That wouldn't have been an issue. Constructed that because he's there was a media that day outside of his house. So there's lots of stories which have been created, I think, from this. Van Elsie said, you know, that he was a strong advocate in terms of leading a bit of a campaign for the government to have um, preparedness for a pandemic, a coronavirus pandemic. And he referenced a blog article which he said he wrote last year. And quite interesting, when people have gone back into that blog article, there was nothing originally mentioned about a pandemic or coronavirus back in March last year. Interestingly, it was re-edited this year in May and changed and that section was added in about this pandemic. So at some point he was able to know that he was able to reference this article and try and say that he was a strong advocate when 12 months ago there was no mention of coronavirus in his article. It's one of the, the kind of many things which are now being uh, miffed. I think, you know, I don't understand what the huge fuss is about to some extent. I can understand people being upset about it, but I think his actions to me did make some sense that himself and his wife were ill or possibly could have been ill and wouldn't have been able to look after the child. So they want to be close to a family member who could do that. That doesn't sound outrageous to me. I, I don't understand what the furore, the complete furore is. It seems a bit excessive. He is the architect of the policy, of the lockdown policy. So what means for him? And the issue with Dominic Cummins also, uh, you know, with everything else that the that the other problems are, is that he was supposedly sick and travelling at the same time, which is not a good thing to do. So I mean, to drive a car while being sick, if he thought he's going to be incapacitated taking care of a child, what the heck was he driving a car for? Two hundred sixty miles, you know, in itself, that it's a dangerous act alone. I would think. Did he stop along the way? As always, of course, and he said he didn't. He had a full tank. He said he arrived just after midnight in Durham. So, obviously, it was after dark. He wanted to kind of sneak away and sneak back. In, like, if you're so confident in that there was nothing wrong with it, why didn't he, why didn't he announce it at an earlier stage? And while supposedly they were all ill, mm. so they were hurtling down 260 kilometres away or miles away whilst they were ill in that car. Yeah. But they did stop. He was, he was concerned, I don't think he felt ill at that stage, I think he was concerned about becoming ill, or ill enough to not be able to look after his son. Um, so, like, I remember I was listening to it, and basically he was showing symptoms, he broke his own rules by leaving the house when you're showing symptoms. He did, he did stop, he stopped on the way back, and then apparently, like he said, he had to go for a drive as well because his eyesight was being affected. And I'm like, well, first of all, you would not get into a car if you, your eyesight was affected. Even if it wasn't COVID, that could be a sign of a heart attack or a stroke or God knows what. And if you're behind a speeding car and something was to happen, like... I didn't understand that, I have to say. That didn't make any sense to me, the whole eyesight thing. Yeah, because it's lies. It's absolute yeah. lies. That's, that's it. Like, you have to call it out for it. It's lies. He didn't go his car and drive to, what, Bernard, Bernard Castle or drive, like, halfway to London to check his eyes. He went on a drive and got caught, and now he's trying to give a reason to why he was driving in the first place. I mean... It's quite, it's quite interesting. It there again, another aside to that was also the day of his wife's birthday. 
So was it that he was like, oh, I'm going back to London tomorrow, let's go for a day out? Why didn't he just say that? People would have probably accepted it far better if, you know, he was saying, my wife's birthday. Yeah. Well, something else comes out about um, Conard Castle is the actual place where GlaxoSmithKline is also based, is the headquarters of there. And within a few days, they were given a government contract for the vaccine. So you're trying to relate the two. Oh, I didn't suggest anything. <laughs> I just happened to say. Barnard Castle, which is a very small, obscure place, happens also to be this kind of um, uh, one of the headquarters of Klein. What's that about? Mm. Well, what, what, what do you think it's about? Well, I don't know. He was, I have no idea. No idea that there's, there's questions which I think need to be asked further. Number 10 have said today, that's the end of the matter as far as they're concerned. There should be no more questions. They feel that he's given a full account. He hasn't. Yeah, I has to step down to hand in his resignation now. And I think it, it's terrible because I actually watched, they were into, I don't know, I think it was this morning, and they were interviewing a doctor who said if he didn't resign, the doctor would resign because he's so appalled because the fact is there's doctors and nurses and everyone else putting their lives on on the line and he's going for a drive to get a babysitter and these are doctors and nurses who have kids themselves who struggle to get childcare, and they're out there putting their own lives on risk and he's driving halfway across the country to get a babysitter yeah it's this idea that he took advantage of a loophole which no one knew existed and now that he knew that such a loophole existed he can kind of use that as a way to excuse what he had done so they're saying like well it didn't say i couldn't do it it said exceptional circumstances but then they didn't define what an really what an exceptional circumstance was you could give your own exceptional circumstance of course and that's going to be you know if you get pulled over with the police, you've got to really convince them, I suppose. I don't know how lax or how strict they are over in the UK in terms of turning cars around. The police did say that if they had stopped them leaving London, they would have turned the car around, they would have told them to go home. Would they have done that? We don't really know unless it would have happened. They are investigating them after a number of more complaints have gone in now against them uh, from being up in Durham um, and being outside during the 14-day isolation, which he shouldn't have been if he was sick because you know we, he could have still been carrying around the virus. It's quite dangerous. I think there's a lot of questions. I think the biggest one for me is that he is a top government official, like he kept saying on the news. He is one of the most powerful men in the UK. And here we are, him just flaunting the rules because he knows deep down he will get away with it. And I think there has to be some moral authority in the, in the high levels of government, especially those who are pushing and advocating policy for everybody else. Well, we're not condemning everyone else who bends the rules. But we don't know who's bent the well, rules. It's quite, in, it's quite interesting. You should say that, Pat. There was a vicar tonight on the on the Penn Downing Street uh, statement who asked the question: Does that mean you're now going to look into the fifteen thousand people who've been fined, leaving their home, and they've provided a reason to the police, but they've been found? Are you going to waive their fees? And the government have had to say, "Oh, we will look into this policy because it's it's clearly one rule for one." Not for the other. What are they going to do with the fifteen thousand people who have now been fined? Ironically, the other was... interesting side is that forty Tory MPs tonight want him to go. So it's become a very much of an internal Tory matter, which will be the make or break of this issue. I think people feel that within Britain that they're powerless. 
because it's an internal Tory issue, that will be something which will have more sway over what will happen. Yeah. But he, he, the Reverend, or was it a Reverend? He did yeah, open yeah, up a can was. of worms on that. He did say, well, hello, like, you know, exceptional circumstances, we've done 15,000 people, let's give them a refund. So I think that's one to consider. You're right about it's an insider issue for the Tories now. After, I think it was initially 30 people were quite against what happened in actually his resignation. And then it turned into, I think it's, you were saying it's above 30 now, 32. When I last looked at it, 32 people were asking for his resignation. And they include middle of the road people who do not dislike Boris Johnson or who like him. They're just people who just don't care and get on with very, yeah. conser- very conservative conservatives. And even they are calling for now for uh, his resignation. And then you That's had the Scottish, the Scottish Secretary resign as well. The Minister, uh, yeah. The minister, today. Junior Minister, yeah, he resigned today. So I think the pressure is building. I think it's inevitable. He has to go. I, I, I guess, I guess it, 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 show, it demonstrates a lack of authority in, in Johnson's government. Yes. But also, does it undermine the whole public health message? Absolutely. You never see a, a Prime Minister throw themselves under a bus for an advisor. Which is insane. I think if I, if I was in the UK now, I would, I would, only for you know, I have personal responsibility. I would just think, what's the point in following anything? Because if they can do what they want, and it is absolute arrogance, in my opinion, anyway, that they can do that and he can do that. And actually, suddenly you didn't mention the fact the police went to the house and found them there, and but didn't caution them. It was recorded, but it didn't. There was no caution or anything that as well. So why didn't they caution them, or why didn't they follow that up with a fine or anything? So for me, this is just, this is just. Um, it's a political thing. I think obviously Boris doesn't want to see him go because he's hugely important to him and he's probably the brains behind the operation. And Boris is willing to, for whatever reason, will, willing to stick with him and take all the flack that he's going to take because without him, he can't succeed. Because Boris, I think, it doesn't. I think, I think um, uh, Cummins is the brains behind the operation. And I think Boris knows that and will just accept any sort of. Uh, well, can Boris sack him now, though, because he's already come out and supported him? So what reason could he then... No, he could. If he got enough pressure, yes, of course he could. Yeah, of course he could. Yeah, it's a, you're right, what, right. what reason would we give? Because he's already said he's done nothing wrong, so then he can't change his mind and say, well, now he has done something wrong, therefore I can sack him. Like, it would be... It's questionable, would he ever sack him? Because no. at one time, Johnson used to be the boss of Dominic Cummings' wife, Mary. But there's a, a huge complex relationship there, apparently, and that's another kind of um, talk on the street. Is that's another reason why he's not going to push him? Yeah, it's a lose lose for Boris Johnson at this point because, like you said, Pat, he has supported him. He's true his weight behind him straight in early stages. If he comes out and fires him now, he's lost authority because of that. But the only way it's going to happen is that Cummins will just resign himself. I think yeah. has to be the way to go forward, and that's to yeah. do with. Internal pressure, but again, Boris has already lost his authority. Like I said, a prime minister to throw his weight behind a special advisor, who everybody knows, who's publicly now just lost the confidence of everybody. It's just a bad sign for Boris himself, and it goes to show how vital uh, Dominic Cummins is to Boris's operation at number ten. Yeah, and you're asking at the beginning about why this is such a big thing, and I'm I'm one of myself, like, but I I think it's because it's a complete breach of trust because the whole nation has been under this massive lockdown and like and like significant uh you know effect on everybody and people we the know to death so absolutely yeah. the amount of death the amount of people that had to see people die or let people die alone in in hospitals and all of that 
And then he comes up with this, comes up with these, of course, it's perfectly reasonable what he did. Absolutely. Who wouldn't do it? What parent wouldn't do it? Absolutely. Right. There's no question that. But, but when you're in a situation which is absolutely like we're in a crisis and it's, it's not the norm, but what these are the rules. And as Damien said, there has been put down as, as this is the, this is, he was the architect of the whole process. Then I just think it's a complete breach of trust for him to be doing all that to get away with it. And then, and then what are people supposed to do? I think I'm convinced he knew he'd get away with it because the only reason I would think that is I guess what you're saying, um, Alan, about like any parent would do it, but why didn't he? Because it was his niece, as far as I remember from what I read. Why didn't he have someone drive his niece up? Yeah, why didn't he go? If they got stopped, they would be turned back, but because it was him, he knew it was he was using his power. That's what I pick up on it. He was using his title and who he is, and he knew that he could do it. But if he had someone else bring his niece down to him, she might not get down. He's a very powerful man. He could have easily made a couple of phone calls, got the nieces, got family members the rights to travel down to him for medical and exceptional circumstances where the, 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 the welfare of the child could be at risk. Like, of course, that's an important issue, but he didn't need to do what he needed to what he had done. He could have went the other way about it, contacted the police, got permission, which I believe he can do, and his family member could have drove to him, took the child back, or stayed in the house where they isolated and set in the bedroom or in a separate part of the house, which hundreds of thousands of families have done, and some of them to death. He, he, would have ex- he would just have access to any top kind of health professional you know, when, when you look at, at one of the, um, I think, the Belgian prime minister, his mother was yeah. dying. He he didn't move out of his home. He, he obeyed the instruction. That's right, Joe. Oh, the Dutch prime minister. Dutch. Mm. Prime mm. Prime I that was, yeah, that was, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? Yeah, I, I guess it, it's the impact it leaves on the UK because yeah. we can't move forward. You know, every time it, it's the main topic of conversation, you know, the government are trying to say, we're moving it on, we, we've got shops opening on the 2nd, uh, the 15th of June. People really don't give a damn. I don't think people can move forward. and They're not trusting the government. Okay, and if we could just do, uh, if, if people want, would he, should he resign then, Damien? You seem to oh, be... Definitely. Yeah. Anybody he else? resign or go. I, I think he should. I think it's it's basically it's misleading. It's it's he's lost to people's trust because he's basically saying I'm above all you, I'm above the law. I agree. I think he should resign as well. Yeah. You think he should, Pat? I don't know. Um, I think at this stage, probably yeah. There's there's so much Ferrari. Um, I think he's he's paying and will continue to pay a huge price. You know, I mean, he's really getting. Huge abuse, you know. People screaming hypocrites at him and that outside his home, you know, all those sort of things. So he's paying a huge price anyway. So, but I think he will inevitably go. Yes. Yeah. What, you would, can I just ask you what What do you think would happen, if, or any one of you, you know, if this happened in Ireland, this type of situation? I'd say there'd be uproar. Oh, resign straight away. I think. No, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. If, if his advisor to Leo Varadkar drove 200, 260 kilometers, they would resign. Yeah, yeah. advisor, but we don't, but there has no significant advisors. Yeah, we don't. Do you know what I mean? In the UK, I don't think, I don't know any advisors. 
But like if you look at like even over the weekend, who like you looked at when Leo Radker was in the park, listen, there was mortar over that and he, he was well within guidelines, if you know what I mean. So it just goes to show like I think there would be absolute uproar because even if I, if I was in the UK I'd be so annoyed because everybody's making sacrifices. Yeah. And then well, what he, will happen is that will have repercussions where people will be like, well, if he can do it, so can I. Yeah, I mean, we won't go too much into Varadkar's antics in the Phoenix Park, but I mean, you know, most people wouldn't be bothered by it. I was a bit bothered by it because I thought, like, we are in a pandemic. A lot of people are dying. The last thing you want to really do is see the head of government having a picnic in the park or his top off. It just didn't really send the right signal publicly. I didn't hear that. What, happened? what happened? I didn't hear that. He was in the Phoenix Park with his partner and friends having a picnic. All or topless. Yeah. So, I mean people didn't really appreciate, a lot of people didn't appreciate that. Uh, obviously, with the Dominic Cummins thing, they're trying to make something of it in Ireland, just probably because there's nothing else going on other than co- coronavirus. Uh, but it didn't look good. That Like, it just didn't look good as a the leader, as the head of government. That would be my opinion. Wrong. I mean, you know, he is entitled to some time off. Didn't look great, but I didn't understand what was wrong with him. No, you're right. He didn't do anything wrong. It was more than the PR thing, I think. Yeah, the optics of it all. Should be in a park. Not that it shouldn't be in a park, but I just... For me, anyway, I don't think government, any member of government, should be seen topless in a public park drinking cans because he was drinking alcohol. Oh, I didn't see that. Well, that's a that's absolutely outrageous, then. So welcome back to part two. In this part, we're just going to discuss. Uh, the positive news coming from Ireland and Northern Ireland. Ireland had reported zero deaths for the first time uh, related to coronavirus. I assume everybody has seen this positive news. Mm-hmm. Alan? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I'm just looking at the figures for today. Where, uh, what, what was nine, it today? Was nine deaths today and 53 nine. cases. Still very positive yeah, news. Yeah, so the cases, the cases are, are, very, are still very low, are going right down, which is, which is yeah. great. So, I mean, look, it's, it's great. It's great. It, it kind of puts us... It puts, you immediately your brain um, goes to the next phase, the next thing of what's going to happen. Um, now that we've got it so low, so more or less anywhere you go in the community, it's fairly safe now. Um, so I, I think well, my brain goes to the point of, you know, what's next? How can we loosen up? Can we move things forward? Can uh, we bring all the phases closer? Can we get back to life again? And in, in terms of just people getting back to their work and whatever, and just being able to do things. And so, so that's where my brain goes and all of this. I mean, it's great. And then we all know, of course, there's risks around that. We keep being reminded of the risks. And when you're at this side of something like that, you just don't know. So we can't imagine that it could get really bad again or worse. Um, I can't imagine how that could be the case. But of course, we're being warned about that. So, um, so on one hand, you've got this big weight of a worry on one hand. And on the other hand, you just think, let's just, just get ourselves back to some sort of normality. Um, being able to go out and meet people and sit topless in the park if that's what we want to do and drink cans with Leo <laughs> yeah. cans well, with Leo <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think it, like it's absolutely wonderful when I see in the news I was just so ecstatic I think just just and not so much for my own life but just less people are dying like like I, I was having a conversation yesterday we really haven't come to terms with the amount of death 
related to coronavirus, no. even in Ireland. And as low as the number may be compared to larger countries, for us, it's it's still over 1,500 deaths unexpectedly, I think. And I just think we, at some point, we will have to acknowledge that, it's probably nationally, um, would be my own opinion. But again, just let's not rush into things, Alan. Let's kind of wait, you know, maybe maybe meet in the park with three or four friends and keep your distance a bit and, you know, uh, uh, drink your cans, whatever, but just caution because we don't want to all say, you know, we don't want to all put our party hats on, get ready for the big hurrah when we've kind of got to the end of it. But at the same time, you know, we could go backwards again, like to keep one. So I just think caution to win, but at the same time, we must celebrate the fact that less deaths and that's only good for everybody, especially the families who are truly affected. I do. Like, I personally think it's great news. And I was listening to, I can't remember what his name was, but he was just saying, goes pretty much like a lot of communities now are very free and safe. A lot of the deaths that are still happening are in nursing homes. And as sad as that is, that's where it's happening and it's going to probably continue happening for the next couple of while next while anyway which is sad but i do think it's quite nice because it shows that everybody's hard work and all this misery of being stuck indoors is paying off especially when you look at countries like brazil and all over the world who yeah. haven't even reached a peak yet so to kind of to be getting to an air a, a place where Stuff is going back to normality and the numbers are falling. I feel like we can rejoice and give ourselves a round of applause for basically toughing it out. It's like for me, it's the best way to describe it, like the end of a war, we can slowly see the other side retreating away. We haven't gone just yet. Oh my God, it, 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 is that Josh or is that Boris Johnson over there speaking? <laughs> <laughs> Forward men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's good. Oh, yeah. and, I do think it's a great achievement that you've all obviously clearly worked so well together because you, you started off with a huge risk in terms of Cheltenham racer, races, people coming back into Ireland. That's obviously had an impact, um, or I would imagine it had an impact. And you've all clearly all worked well. And now you've been able to ease your lockdown and hopefully move off those with pace as long as you do it with a sense of caution. But I always think you're a fairly measured nation anyway, not like us daft Brits who um, are free to go to the beach. And we go to the beach in throngs. Yesterday, a hospital had to close down to any new admissions because they were overwhelmed with COVID cases. Uh, there was a report that there were 40 people fighting on a beach yesterday. And you think this is absolute madness. But again, government message is not clear. So that's going to lead to lots of confusion. So well done, Ireland, um, in being able to, to move so swiftly through this. And just terrible condolences on the loss of so many people. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I was really pleased. It, it is so positive. I mean, no deaths one day, just, it was really a bright point yeah. yesterday when we heard that, absolutely. And I actually thrilled today too, because I looked up the figures before we started, and 48 people in the whole of Ireland in ICU on wow. for coronavirus, only 48 people. Now still, you know, that's very serious for those people, obviously, and their families, but it, it, it's a big change from numbers we knew previously, and it's yeah. dropping all the time. And did I read that it's less than 300 in hospital altogether now, right? Is that correct? Something around, yeah. I think it's around 300, yeah. Yeah, nationally. So that's 
that's incredible news. And then out of 16, out of so many tests done last week, only, I think, like 400 and something were confirmed positive in total, they were saying. So, I mean, like that's really good news. It's all positive. I, you know, in the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at extending the distance from 5 to 20 kilometers. More stores are going to open up. More normality will resume or will come back to some degree. And maybe the social distance of two meters might be reduced to one and a half or one meter because I know a lot of people are saying they're struggling with that in offices and in retail where it's really just impossible to offer that amount of space. And again, if community transmissions are gone or down in certain areas, you know, maybe we can look at localized lockdowns rather than national lockdowns. Um, maybe that's something we could look at down so the road is, for clusters. Is there an argument, is there an argument then for uh, bringing forward uh, the timescale for some of these easing of restrictions, like rather than waiting until the 8th or 9th of June, whenever the 20 kilometers come in, could we do that earlier? Yeah, I think things like, I think non-contact things like that, yes. I think there's no reason not for, for people not to be able to go 20 kilometers. If you can go five kilometers, which let's be honest, the vast majority of people are probably going beyond five kilometers. But if they're going five kilometers and they're keeping a social distance, they're not in big groups, they're not in stores or in coffee houses, what's the difference in 20 kilometers? 20 kilometers could be past someone who's been in isolation for nine weeks, like yourself, who could probably make it to the beach or make it to just somewhere a bit more, a bit nicer to kind of exercise, walk, or, or meet somebody who you haven't seen in a long time, family members, that can make a whole difference in someone's life, especially if they have to go back home and continue to cocoon in, in a certain way, as in reduce the, the number of hours they're outside. I think that could be really light in someone's life.